Thanks for listening to the Providence Community Church Podcast. We hope you've been inspired today to love Jesus more deeply. For more information and other ways to connect with us, you can visit us on the web at providencecommunity.org. All right, I hope so. Um, I, uh, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles here uh, to Matthew chapter 13. Um, this is a passage of scriptures, one verse actually, I'll probably get you the second one too, so it's two verses, um, and both of them, they're on my top ten list of most impactful um, scriptures to me, that uh, most impactful, impactful verses that have changed the course of my life and have, uh, have really wrecked me in some heavenly ways. And so uh, I always find that when I take a passage like this that has impacted me so much, I have this... Uh, this desire for it to impact you guys in at least a similar way, and so there's extra pressure. And so uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to toss it out there, um, and I'm just going to let Holy Spirit, it's his job to wreck you, not mine, right? And so as, as we are opening the scriptures, could you uh, just uh, close your eyes for a moment? And could you just uh, get real honest with where you're at in this season? And uh, as much, Father, as, as much as each one of us uh, like to look like we have it together, as, as much as each one of us uh, like to, uh, you know, feel put together in some capacity. This morning, God, we let our hearts be honest with the reality of where we're at. Um, we let our hearts be real about the battle and the struggle that we're in. I know, Lord, that uh, as you're pouring out 2020 dreams, the enemy is trying to keep us in 2019. And so I just pray, Lord, that you would release just a great uh, wave, a great wind of your spirit, a great movement, a great grace this morning for us to step into more than we've ever known and for us to actually be about what life is about. And so, Lord, just give us eyes to see, illumine your word, give us hearts to respond. Uh, let everything in our life that's a weed fall to the wayside. And let us be able to take what is, in fact, seed of your kingdom, seed of your heart, and let us hold on to that and treasure it. And let it grow and let us change the world with what you do in us because of it, we pray. So bless each person here. Every lie that says you shouldn't be here, you don't belong here, uh, we rebuke those. And we embrace the reality of the love of God. Sinful humanity or not, we are image bearers and you've set your love on us. So we, we bless you and we come uh, before you not as the worthless, but as people you've died for. And so we bless you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, if I was going to title my sermon this morning, I would call it The Law of Want, W-A-N-T. Um, there's a, a central truth in Christianity that I'm afraid that we miss often, and it's the central truth that God doesn't want us to decide for him heartily. He desires that we would desire him from our hearts. In other words, that we would want him. And this is, this is, a, this is a, a doctrine that from the front of the book, and by the book I mean this, to the back, is full of that biblical reality, but it is something that scares many of us, and so we try to fashion Christianity into like this one-time decision when in fact it is so much more than that. Uh, you weren't born to make one decision. You were, more, you were born 
for a person named Jesus who holds you together and these walls in place. And he's calling us to more than make a decision for him. He's calling us to want him. And it's interesting. We start talking about the love of the Father that is making this possible, calling prodigals home, where prodigals would want to come home and want the love of their father. We talk about treasuring Jesus with everything that we've got, not just making a decision for him, and suddenly there's uprising in Christianity. Because that is the scary stuff. It is easier to receive a hard message like last week, where I'm kind of shooting at our crazy opinions. It's easier to receive something like that than to receive a message that is, that is brimming over with the love of God saying, I want to be wanted, God's saying. I want to be wanted, God's saying. The centrality of Jesus. I want to talk about the centrality of Jesus. But, but not just the centrality of Jesus and, and the doctrines that we can say about him. Not a, but but the, the centrality of Jesus not just being a tool that we use to get what we want, meaning heaven and a family reunion in the sky potentially. But the centrality of Jesus meaning treasuring him because of him. The gospel is not to its core how Jesus helped us escape hell. The gospel is to its core how Jesus paid for us to have him. This is the gospel. But that is not really the gospel we preached. Even yesterday, I got an invitation. Oh, it wasn't my house. We were at somebody else's house. And they got an invitation from a church that was inviting them to their church. And you open it up. And everybody looks strange. They're all wearing suits. Their hair's greased down. Like, I didn't know that they, they must discover the time machine. Uh, think, wow, this is, this is, well, is otherworldly or lastworldly. And it's basically saying you're a sinner. You need Jesus. Jesus will forgive you. Pray this magic prayer. A magic prayer that's found nowhere in the Bible. <laughs> never once, never once, did Jesus lead anybody into the kingdom by praying a magic prayer? <laughs> what Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment, that you would love me with all you've got. Oh. What Jesus said to his disciples is, here's what's going to separate you from the rest of society. Not that you all have a new badge that says, 1979, May 11th, I prayed a prayer but that you have love one for another. The Father's love, he gives away and he expects us to do the same and that is what happens when we have it. So the centrality of Jesus being not a tool but a treasure, and not a treasure but the treasure. The glory of the gospel is not that we Escape hell, that's a, a benefit, but it's not the glory. The glory is, the beauty is, we gain Jesus as sons and daughters. And so for those of us who feel this morning that you're just a sinner saved by grace. No, listen, listen, listen. If you are in Christ, you were a sinner. Now that you are saved by grace, you're a son. If you were in Christ, you were a sinner. Uh, but now that you are in Christ, you are now a daughter, king's kids, heirs of a new kingdom. And this is what pulses 
through the heart of the scriptures all over the place. I can't miss this on any page anymore. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, though, is, is, is one of the finest. I'm a simple guy. I like one verses. And there's enough theology in this one verse to wreck you for eternity. Here's what it says. Jesus is speaking here. He says, you want to know what the kingdom is like? Okay. Let me tell you a short story. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is like treasure, hidden treasure, makes it that much more wantable. Not everybody can see this treasure. It's hidden from many eyes. But the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. You want to know what the kingdom is like? Here it is. Wait, is the kingdom not like a man who found out that he was a miserable wretch and then asked Jesus to forgive him so he could continue to feel like a wretch for the rest of his life, but at least he knows that when he dies, he's not going to hell? Well, that, that's, that's this much of it. But this is about a person who found that, out that the kingdom is a treasure worth losing everything for. It's an upside-down kingdom. Earthly kingdoms, you, accum you accumulate the wealth of the world, and then you have pretend joy because of your accumulation. But the upside-down kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, is you gladly lose everything if you have to because you've already found the source of eternal joy named Jesus that you can no longer lose. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Guys, this isn't necessarily a message on, on marriage that will impact your marriage. This isn't necessarily a, a message on uh, you know, finances that will impact your finances. It's not necessarily a message on parenting that will impact your parenting. It's not necessarily a, a message on one thing. This is a message that is the harpy of, of it all. His name's Jesus. And I before... As we continue, have I lost you guys yet? All right. I want to expose two problems that I think that are real barriers to seeing Jesus as the treasure that he is. And that are real barriers, real, real problems, so to speak, that we're wrestling with in our society that are just downright wrong. And I'm just saying this lovingly. Guys, I'm not angry at this. I, I'm just urgent, okay? I'm just urgent for us to get this. And here's the first one, the kingdom of heaven. I want to talk about that. We could talk for, for, for decades about that and never skim the surface. But I, I do want to pull out one truth about this that will help you understand what God's talking about and what he's not talking about. And so I want you to hear this this morning. Friends, beloved, you hear me? See, I'm smiling, not angry, not angry. So I'm not angry, all right? Listen, the kingdom of heaven that Jesus is talking about is not America. Can we just give Jesus a round of applause for that? <laughs> Jesus loves America. I love America, don't we all? My, uh, my great, or not my, my great, my granddad, Ernie Herndon, was a U.S. Marine, stormed the, the beaches of Okinawa 
in one of the in one of those things that just open up and somehow he makes it onto the beach. He gets shot in the head and in the leg, survives. It's because Herndons have these massive heads <laughs> that no bullet can penetrate, all right? And so, and he survives, and he's, he's got war stories that he would never talk about. And listen, listen, I, I love the red, white, and blue. Hope you do too. But if you don't, you can still be a part of God's kingdom. The, the kingdom of heaven uh, is not built on the foundation of my granddad's sacrifice. Okay? There was great sacrifice that we should honor and respect hold high, be reverent around. But the kingdom of heaven was not built on men and women fighting each other and blowing each other away over American ideals. The kingdom of heaven is built on another man's sacrifice named Jesus that actually blew an enemy away that you and I didn't even know that we had, but was keeping us from who we actually are. The, when the Bible refers to the kingdom, you can't insert America, and you really can't, on this side of the cross, insert any other nation. When the Bible refers to, the, uh, to the God's chosen people, you create a massive theological error if you wrongly insert America or the nation that you love the most. Listen, listen God's chosen people aren't just under the banner of red, white, and blue. God's, Jesus' death and resurrection opened the door for people, plural, not just Americans. The death of Jesus, the, the cross of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus opened the, the kingdom to not just a nation, but to a people. And many mistaken religious folks have embraced a gospel that is not centered on Jesus, but on the kind of government they want. The kingdom should impact government. The kingdom should impact all, the, the kingdom should impact society. But when we idealize America and make America our treasure, then ask God to bless it instead of saying, Jesus, I don't care if persecution breaks out and the worst government since the history of mankind takes office, they can't steal the joy that I have in you. I was, uh, I was on, a, on a sabbatical weeks, a few weeks ago and I went to a church one morning, and uh, I had some time in the car after the church service, just kind of process, and I flipped the radio on, and I tuned into a live service going on in the area, and uh, for a worship song, an electric guitarist got up on stage and played the national anthem, and the church went, went crazy like you would never have imagined. Kind of like the crazy when men who say they can't sing in church, no, I'm not angry, okay? Uh, go to a hockey game, and they play the national anthem, and they're throwing hot dogs and screaming like children, right? That, that kind of crazy. And I sometimes, I, after listening to that, sometimes I wonder, like, do we understand what the kingdom is? Because it's not America. You don't play the national anthem, and that, and that just is suddenly kingdom, The kingdom has different anthems. We sang them this morning. Those are our anthems that we will sing under any regime. The kingdom of heaven, listen to this, is sons and daughters adopted from every tribe, tongue, and nation. That's what the, the kingdom of heaven is a people. It can include America, but it doesn't necessarily. 
And Pastor Keith this morning just read one of my passages. It's Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. This is where all heaven has assembled, and here's the song that they're singing. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, they're singing of Jesus. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. People for God. From every tribe and language, and people, and nation, and you have made them, that means people from every tribe, tribe, tongue, and language, you've made them this mosaic of earthlings, this mosaic of humanity, not from one nation, but from them all, you have made them a kingdom, and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth under the banner of the blood of King Jesus. I want to encourage you guys, sometimes it's good to go down deep and ask a question, do I treasure America or do I treasure Jesus? And I hope that you find that Jesus is the central treasure of your heart when you think of the kingdom. But let me continue on. That the, the, this passage says the kingdom of heaven, and we realize that that is, that is more than, than just this nation. But the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. And that's the second thing I want to draw your attention to, that the kingdom, let me say it again, that the kingdom of heaven, when Jesus is describing it, he's saying, here's what the kingdom is like. Here's what my kingdom like is like. It's like treasure. It's like treasure. It's not like shame. It's not like guilt. It's not like an evil king that makes you feel bad, that you just need to be blessed, that you're, you're not going somewhere you don't want. But this kingdom is a valuable kingdom. It's like treasure. This kingdom is a desirous kingdom. It's like treasure. Jesus, I imagine, being pretty careful with his words. Pretty careful with his words. And here Jesus is, is uh, saying that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. And if you've ever seen a treasure, maybe the, the, you've ever treasured a loved one in your life, that person, they're not just nice, they are desirous you want them or you want it. It's, it is spilling over. Just think of an old pirate chest. You open it up and rubies fall out, followed by emeralds and gold, crowns. It's desirous. People spend their whole lives trying to find it, and when you do, you cling to it. The Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. And here, figuratively, the, the, uh, God is, has, is inspiring this thought in our hearts, is that God is not worried that we're going to lose something physically. God is worried that our hearts so easily give up the treasure of the kingdom. So we're guarding our hearts. We're guarding what we value, what we prize, what we long for, what we want, what we desire, what we, what we love. Here the kingdom is like treasure. Treasure is valuable. If you go down to verse 45, Jesus says that the kingdom is like a merchant who's in search of fine pearls. In other words, the, the, the most valuable. I have lots of small things. I want the greatest. This is what the kingdom is like. 
And we describe the kingdom as, as something we decide for instead of something that we want for. Something that we decide for instead of something that we desire. It's like going, it's like going to work. Many of us would, would rather be at home if we, we had no financial obligations whatsoever. We're independently wealthy and we can stay home and play with our kids. Amen? Wouldn't that be nice? But you go to work, not because you don't like that idea, but you have to go and provide for the family. That's, that's not how the kingdom is. You don't enter the kingdom because you have to. The, the kingdom says, hey, do you want me? Do you want me? What you want is what I'm talking about today, and that's why I'm calling Jesus a treasure. Let me say it this way, that the heart of a kingdom is the king, right? And at the heart of the kingdom, we've got King Jesus, and the heart of the kingdom message that King Jesus rules and reigns over is, is, is not that you get used to the king like a tool to escape hell. I've already said this. But that you no longer have to be separated from the treasure that you were born for. Do you hear this? Jesus says, you can have me if you want me. There's nothing that holds us back. This is what motivates the kingdom. Faith, is, faith is more, looks more like what we long for and desire and trust than a one-time decision. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says this, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. This is what Jesus is doing. He's forgiving our sins, yes. We actually pick that up in the next verse. But what forgiveness of sins means is, is not that just our sins are forgiven, but now that they are, we are now a part of a new kingdom. The kingdom of the beloved. The kingdom of the beloved son. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. There's a transfer of kingdoms going on here. Some of us, or all of us, were born into the kingdom of darkness and lies and deception. And here Jesus is invading our darkness with the light of his truth and glory and gospel and saying, you no longer have to live in the kingdom of darkness. I'm transferring you into mine. Do you want this? Do you want this? And the, the great obstacle is, John chapter 1 says, is that when we saw the light, we actually wanted the darkness. Jesus shows up. The Word made flesh. And we see him, and we want the darkness. It's more comfy. We've taught Jesus as Savior to be, to be obeyed and appreciated. He's done so much for us. The least that we can do is give the rest of our lives for him. That's not what runs this kingdom. Shame and that type of ignorance doesn't run this kingdom. This kingdom is run on treasuring the king, wanting him and desiring him. You do know that Jesus paid for you not because he needed you, but because he wanted you. So what's it like to be a son or a daughter in the kingdom? Here's my favorite ones, and here's what I, I, be, I beg God for every day. Say, God, just do this in me. Do this in providence. Let this be the truest thing of us. Like, I just want this today, God. Uh, despite all of my imperfections, God, this is what I want. I want a heart. I want you to guard this kind of heart where sons and daughters see the kingdom as better than everything else.
This is what's true of people in the kingdom. They're not in the kingdom because they had to be or they felt forced. They're in the kingdom because they saw Jesus, the king of the kingdom, as better and greater, more joy-producing, more, more happy, more wonderful than every other option combined. Verse 44 of Matthew chapter 13 says, after he stumbles on this treasure and covers it back up, it says, then in his joy he goes. And it's very interesting what he does in his joy. Because, the, listen, the, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of joy and gladness and rejoicing. Uh, the kingdom of, of God is, is a kind of kingdom where, where you find that you're dancing and you just can't help yourself. It's like when, when daddy comes home and, and the kids meet you at the door and, and they're, just, they're just losing their mind. We can't lose that. Just the joy. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field so he can have what's in the field, and that's the kingdom. In his joy he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Look at verse 46. It's that the merchant, after finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So here's what happens in the kingdom, and this is a greater picture of what faith is, is faith is saying, I'm not trusting that stuff anymore to satisfy my heart. I'm trusting, I'm just, I'm just, I'm bankrupting myself of that, and I'm putting everything I've got on the, on the king of the kingdom. I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, maybe I'll try to, you know, pull out some equity and add Jesus to what I've already got, and maybe even bless what I've got more like a genie does. Man, that'd be nice. No, but the kingdom, you see Jesus is better and greater than all else. I'm afraid that the gospel messages that we've preached have left this part out. They've just used Jesus as a tool to get what you really want instead of showing you that he is who you really want. Do, do, you, do you know, listen to this. I, I'm going rogue here, but uh, Colossians chapter 1, listen to this. Here's who Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, firstborn doesn't mean that Jesus was created. It, it means that he's the heir of all things. He was not created. He always has been. He actually is the creator. We're going to find out. Look at uh, verse 16 says, For by him, that's Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him or by him and for him. And that means that is you, the creation. You weren't made for anything else other than Jesus. He, you were made by him and you were made for him. For him not meaning that he needed you. For him meaning that he fashioned you and designed you to be satisfied in who he is. This, this is how it works. This is the message of the kingdom. We can't, we can't reduce Jesus by thinking that, and, and we can't add, you know, glory and think that we're being very biblical, but at the same time reduce Jesus to a tool or a means instead of the goal. He is the goal. He is the treasure. He, he, he is our everything. L listen to how a son and daughter in the kingdom uh, feels. Psalm 63, verses 1 through 3. This is, this is the opposite of a, a shame-guilt-driven kingdom. This is a better-than kingdom. This is, this is the law of want and operation. This is, not, this is not you trying to conjure up emotions. This is you being completely overtaken by something or someone otherworldly. 
Psalm 63, the psalmist, this is King David. You want to hear this? King David was a man after God's own heart. And here's how a man after God's own heart, imperfect as he was, yearns. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. No one's making me here. No one's making me here. I'm just, I'm just wanting. I'm seeking out of want. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So in other words, what David is saying here is as, as thirsty as a desert is for rain, that's how thirsty my soul is for you. As much as a dry parched ground is desirous of, of moisture, life-giving rains, my soul cries out for you in the same way, in the same capacity. You're better than everything else. You're, nothing else fills my heart the way that you do. Nothing else. He goes on to say, so I've looked upon you in the sanctuary. Beholding means I've seen your power and I've seen your glory. You need a heart to be captured. Look on the beauty of Jesus once. It scares us, but it needs to stop. Because your steadfast love is, listen, is better than life. My lips will praise you. What? Why would I operate in the obedience of opening my lips to God? Because I have to? Or because I'm inclined to? Why would I, uh, why would I raise my hands? And why would, I, why would I gather for worship? And why would I sing songs from my heart? Why would I let praise come out of my mouth? Because I'm told to, so I just do it? You think God is really happy with words that, are, that not, did not spring to life from a heart that feels the weight of them? Or do we come to find out in the kingdom that Jesus, the king, he has a love that he operates in that's better than life itself, and so that is the springboard for my praise. I can't help myself anymore. I, I'm a son and daughter in the, in the kingdom of the king. I've got the greatest treasure imaginable. I can't help myself anymore. In Luke 18, the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, I want eternal life. And Jesus drops the Ten Commandments on him. And he says, hey, I think I'm gold here, Jesus. Hey, Rabbi, man, you and I are going to be friends. And Jesus says, oh, yeah, the heart of the kingdom isn't following rules. I want you to go to cash everything in, like a Matthew 13 kind of thing, and in your joy, then come follow me. And the Bible says that the rich young ruler left sad because he loved his wealth more than he loved Jesus. Oh, I see. Religion says you can't have wealth. But the kingdom says wealth can't have you. And Jesus would have used the wealth that he was responsible for giving this rich young ruler if it didn't have him. But in this case, it was actually keeping him from the kingdom because he had already chosen his treasure. And it was pitiful. He could have had Jesus, but his small kingdom was better than Jesus. Tomorrow is August 5th. You know what that means for me? It means 19 years of wedded matrimony for me and Adrian. Yeah, that's what it means. I remember on, uh, on Adrian and I's wedding day, 
um, I wrote her a song. And I, uh, I surprised her with it on her wedding day. And I jumped up on stage. We got married at Christ Community Church in Camp Hill. Fantastic church. We blessed them in Jesus' name. Revival got there. And uh, I jumped up on stage and I grabbed my guitar and I broke into a song that I wrote. And the, the, the pinnacle of the song just basically said this on my wedding day. Is I, I, I spoke like prophetically over my marriage. And, and I said to Adrian that Jesus has already stolen my heart. And I'm set on loving him more than even you. It's like, what a... <laughs> a horrible thing to say to your spouse the day that you wed. <laughs> Remember in the beginning, I, I said that this, this message isn't necessarily on your marriage, but it, it should be the heartbeat. That sometimes our relationships, including our spouse, is actually our treasure. And your spouse wasn't made to be your treasure. Uh, he or she was made to be your partner in crime. You, don't tre you treasure Jesus together, and that's what holds you together. When you're trying to, you know, like a triangle, if Jesus is at the top and you're here and she's here, if you're trying to make each, you, you weren't fashioned to be each other's treasure. You're fashioned to both together with wild power go after Jesus. Now, could it be that you don't feel close because you haven't partnered in Jesus' mission? Could it be that both of you together haven't brought light to any dark place in months? Both of you together haven't brought life to any dead places in years. In fact, you only know what hopelessness feels like. You have no clue what it's like to operate in any other kingdom than an earthly one. This impacts your marriage just like it impacts your parenting. We don't get married take on a different treasure, and then ask Jesus for help. That's what many of our marriages look like. We make Jesus the center of it all and say, hey, baby, Jesus is my number one. You in with me? She's like, hey, baby, that's hot. That is hot. Woo. Because you're not my number one either, baby. Let's be each other's number two and go after our number one together. How about that? It's, it's very interesting that, that when the disciples, uh, some of the disciples were fishermen, and when they caught their record catch, Jesus called them away from the catch and said, said, you can stay with the catch or you can follow me. Because that's how the kingdom operates. Are you going to trust your record catch and all the financial security that it will produce in you, or are you going to follow me and trust me with your future? And disciples had to, had to step away from the record catch and follow Jesus as the greater treasure. It's very interesting that when Jesus called Matthew, the apostle that's actually penning this scripture, Jesus called Matthew away, for, uh, uh, away from his money table because he was a tax collector. Hey, Matthew, this table's full of cash. You've got skills. I'm wondering if you would treasure me more than that. Step away from this table. And the only life you've ever known, come follow me as a greater treasure. You can have the table, dude. You can have the table. But it's false joy, false hope, false love, false everything. Or you can have me. See, in God's kingdom, sons and daughters operate in an upside-down joy that looks very strange to the world. 
when the world sees us cashing in everything, or at least not holding on to everything like it's a treasure. Um, you know, I told you that I wrecked my, my, uh, my vehicle. Um, I, I just, I got blessed with a new truck. Never driven a truck before. I started growing hair on my chest. <laughs> I, I feel like I've never felt like, like a man. You gotta step up into this. You gotta use ladders and whatnot. You know, I just feel like, oh, Jesus, yes, yes, yes. So I'm driving this truck around and Adrian's smiling at me different and I've noticed that, all right? <laughs> Yeah, hey, number two, how you doing, girl? Uh, so, uh, but, uh, but it, I, the second I'm not, I'm not willing to hand over the keys to Jesus. Jesus, this isn't my treasure. This isn't what I was born for. This isn't what should stir my soul. This isn't what I was, I was fashioned for in the womb. Before time began, this wasn't the dream that you had in your heart for my destiny. I hold the keys very loosely. And I enjoy the truck as long as I have it, but I will enjoy Jesus for eternity to maximum capacity. Sons and daughters operating in upside-down joy. Then in his joy, Matthew says, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. You would think that selling all you've got would make you depressed. Losing all you've got would make you depressed. No, it makes you joyful because you're not losing, you're gaining. I'm trading false hopes, false dreams, false loves that are second rate at best for Jesus. This is the kingdom. When I got married or when I was about to get engaged, do you guys, I do have my, my wedding on my mind. Are you good with that? I'm about, I'm about to finish up here. But when I, I remember being engaged and wanting to buy Adrian an a, a engagement ring, and so what I did is I just, I, I was saving money, but they're expensive, and so I just began joyously selling everything I had. I sold all my guitars, sold all my amps, sold all my guns. That's the honest confession. Except for one gun that my granddad gave me. It was a 410 double barrel, Fox double trigger. Never use these things. I just like to look at them, feel like a man, you know? <laughs> but that gun I sold when my little son, about three years old, I found out we need a fence up in the backyard. Sell the gun. I treasure my family more than I treasure my possessions. And I gladly did it. Now I'm a gun-free, guitar-free, amp-free man, and I'm happy. I'm happy because you gladly give up things that are going to bring blessings to those you love and treasure. So this is what Jesus is saying. This is what it's like. This is what it's like. You see me as greater, and then you trust me with your future, and I pour out a bajillion fold more on you than you could ever gain and garner on your own. The treasuring of Jesus. The treasuring of Jesus. This is what faith looks like. This is why people all around the world are willing to endure persecution and not hate the name. This is why people all around the world are saying, don't pray that persecution stops. Pray that, that we can endure because we're winning a voice with our persecutors. This is, this is what spreads the gospel, not a message that you're bad and you need to pray a magic prayer, but the gospel that says, my heart's been taken over by heaven. I'm willing to run to you and give you all I've got for the sake of the gospel. This is why worship services are, are gatherings of the desirous. This is why people would get on their, their knees and faces and cry a while. 
because my heart has been stolen, raptured, if you will, by a heavenly joy, a heavenly love. The world left me high and dry. Jesus has finally made me alive. What I thought was joy, I, 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 I have now found was death. And he's made me alive in Christ. And I don't gather to get blessed by him. I, get, I gather to be intimate with him. I just now want him. This is how we fight sin. Next time porn tempts you, say, you know what? Jesus is better. Jesus is better. What would I rather have? Temporary nothingness or Jesus who satisfies my every need down to my soul? Next time you're tempted to scream at your, uh, at your children, hello. Say, listen, I, I'm, I'm choosing today the, the oil of joy. I, I'm, I'm choosing today to not operate in something that would make me feel good for a second because I get to blow off some steam. But I'm, I'm choosing to go after the, the words of the Father over the people in my life. See, guys, this is how we fight sin. We fight sin with this reality that Jesus is a better treasure than the promise of that sin uh, uh, promises. Hey, eat the apple. You live forever. You know the good and evil. So this, is, this is the lie of the enemy that God doesn't have your best in mind. There's something else better than God out there. And I'm just saying, no, no, the, the kingdom teaches that Jesus is the treasure and there's no greater than him. He is better than it all. You combine it all together and it's not even in his category. And this is what, this is what fuels and runs the kingdom. And this is the kind of person that I want to be. This is kind of the kind of church I want to lead. This is the kind of world I want to live in where there's some radicals that are, that are willing to step into their destiny and light it up with the love of Jesus pouring out of them. Amen? Listen, can we just stand our feet for a moment? And however, whatever receiving posture you want to, if, that, if that's your hands out or up or if that's kneeling or just whatever it is, uh, may, maybe, maybe that your receiving posture right now is, uh, is sitting or turning or whatever it is. Maybe you want to hold hands with the person next to you because we're doing this together. Put your arm around their shoulders. And Heavenly Father, I pray for kingdom blessings on these people. I pray, God, that you would, you would increase our faith and that we would see with new eyes and new affections and new fervency that Jesus is better than it all, that we would fight sin together like this, God, that we would invade the darkness like this, that you would fill us up and send us out with the, with the, the, the glory of your love. I pray today, God, that we, we, would, we would see Jesus as a greater treasure than everything. We would cling to Jesus. God, every small thing of that is worth, worthless that we've loved, we renounce those things. And this morning, we just ask for a new heart. This is Jesus. I just, I just want new taste of you. I just want my heart to be captured in fresh and new ways by you. In the quietness of your heart, if that's you this morning, can you just say that to God? Just say, man, God, that is so me. That is so me. You've been my number two. Please be my number one. God, I want my heart just to taste of you and long for you, treasure you, trust you, believe you with no rivals. God, thanks that you supply all the grace that we need in those times, in those places of our heart. Thanks that nobody in this room is too far gone. And I pray that prodigals would come home today. And listen, uh, 
let me say this to you. People that have gathered here, look at me just for a second. Uh, those of you who have gathered here that you actually believe that if you run back to God, that you've, you've been so wrong that if you run back to God, he'll reject you. The enemy rejects you. The Father receives you. The, uh, the, the only option here is, is receiving. If you have the grace to run back to God, the Father's going to receive you, fall on you, and kiss you a lot. That's the heart of the Father. And so the world would try to tell us lots of different messages. And I, I just wonder even if today that, that some, some prodigals need to come home, those of you who have left uh, the Father's heart, if maybe you're still a son and daughter and you, you, you need to come back to the King. And I think that even just by coming down and getting prayer this morning, it'd be a huge, a huge statement to the kingdom of darkness that Jesus is better for you once and for all. Amen. Amen. Guys, we have this great privilege of doing life together. We've got this thing called a welcome lunch that you guys are, are uh, invited to come to if you want to know more what, about what it is to be a part of the Providence family. We've got this uh, great uh, treasure named Jesus who wants to be your encounter all week. And so I just send you into, into his heart today as you go. Amen. Blessings as you go. Go in peace. Go in joy. Go in love. And hug somebody uh, as you go. Amen. Can we give the Lord a round of applause?